Hello, I'm Chris Kreitcho, and this is Neuro Station, a show about the Rust programming language and the people who use it. This is a bonus episode on translating between programming languages. First up, a new sponsorship. I am really excited to be partnering with Manning Books to bring you a discount on some video content they've put together. And I'm even more excited because that video content is by Carol Nichols, whom I interviewed a couple of years ago, and her husband, Jake Golding, both of whom are super active in the Rust community and who together started the first Rust consultancy. I've been saying for a few years that we need more video content. It is a huge way that people learn. And Manning's Rust in Motion is one of the first major video courses for Rust I know of. You can get it for 40% off at deals.manning.com slash new hyphen Rustation. Don't worry, there's a link in the show notes. And that link gives you 40% off not only for Rust in Motion, but of anything at Manning. That includes their book Rust in Action, which is now in early access preview. Go check it out. Thanks so much to Manning for sponsoring the show and building some great video content with Carol and Jake. Now, I've mentioned a number of times on the show that my day job is building a web front end in JavaScript and TypeScript. These days, pretty much entirely TypeScript. I recently had an opportunity come up to work on a side project where I'm converting some deep library code from TypeScript to Rust. The goal is to accelerate this project via WebAssembly. So when it runs in the browser, it'll run faster. And I hope to have more to say about that project in the future. For now, what's most interesting to me, at least for the purposes of this bonus episode, is what the experience of trying to translate from TypeScript to Rust has been like. And I'm interested in that because there's a nugget here that I found very helpful for reflecting on programming languages more generally, and what makes different programming languages valuable. I've said to a number of people over the last year that writing TypeScript and writing Rust can feel very similar at a sort of day-to-day -day just working in them level. And their surface syntax has a lot in common, so that might not be super surprising. And moreover, depending on how you write your TypeScript, the semantics can end up feeling relatively similar as well. Depending on how you write your TypeScript and relatively are both important qualifications, though. There are a lot of ways to write TypeScript, because there are a lot of ways to write JavaScript, and TypeScript is just type annotations on JavaScript. If you're writing your TypeScript like C-sharp or Java, which you can do, it won't feel much like Rust at all. But if you're like me and you prefer a more functional programming idiom, and you use TypeScript kind of like a weird, extremely verbose version of OCaml with a lot of careful control over mutation, well, it ends up feeling a lot like Rust. And that's not a surprise. After all, Rust is kind of like OCaml, but with explicit control over ownership and mutation. So, in my experience, just doing each of them separately, writing TypeScript and writing Rust felt pretty similar, and in very good ways, a lot of the time. But, let me tell you, when you start trying to translate things from TypeScript to Rust, stuff gets really weird really fast. One of the things that can feel similar between TypeScript and Rust is the type system. And so far as it goes, that feeling is, it's not totally wrong. Both languages give you generic types, 
both of them give you some kind of interface-like way of expressing constraints on those types and let you bound generics with those interface-like structures. They're literally called interface in TypeScript, and of course we have traits in Rust. There are some important differences, though, in both the surface syntax and the underlying semantics, especially in the language's type systems, however familiar and however similar they may at first seem. The most obvious difference at the surface syntax level is that TypeScript has a structural type system. That is to say, it only cares about the shape of the things you're passing around. Rust has a nominal type system. Two structs with the exact same fields in them, same types, same names, are still different structs because the structs themselves have different names. That wouldn't be true in TypeScript. What's more, TypeScript has anonymous, bare union types, but it doesn't have built-in tagged unions like Rust's enum types. So what that means is in TypeScript, you can say something is a string or a number without any wrapping name around that type. But if you want to get something like the equivalent of Rust's enum types that you can do pattern matching on, you have to write a ton of boilerplate. And that includes for the quote-unquote pattern matching because TypeScript doesn't have anything of the sort. JavaScript doesn't have anything of a sort, that is. The opposite sort of thing is true as well. In Rust, you get tagged unions for free, but you can never have that bare union type, string or number or boolean. You always have to do the... You could call it boilerplate, the work at least, of wrapping those kinds of things in an enum value. So there are real differences just at that syntactical level, and you can start to see how those play into semantics. But as much as those semantic differences do arise from some of those syntax level differences, and while I thought that those would be the kinds of things that would end up leading to the biggest mismatches... It turns out accommodating for those isn't actually that hard. You have to write some enum types out more explicitly when you go to Rust, and you can throw away a lot of the workarounds and boilerplate that come from not having enum types like Rust does, tagged union types in TypeScript. It's not that bad, because the semantics here are, they're a little different, but they're fairly similar. What gets actually weird, and very, very weird, is the combination of TypeScript's interfaces not being isometric with Rust's traits, and, well, surprise, surprise, ownership. In retrospect, the ownership thing should have been pretty obvious to me, but the interface trait distinction was a lot less obvious, and I think it's fair to recognize that it's less obvious. So let's start with the obvious one, ownership, and then I'll use that as a way of circling back around to the interface trait distinction. TypeScript's approach to interfaces and classes is mostly like interfaces and classes in most object-oriented languages you might be familiar with. Both interfaces and classes can include both data and functions. As you'll know if you've listened to the rest of this show or written much of any Rust at all, anything besides Hello World, Rust doesn't do that at all. As I've talked about in the most recent teaching episodes, Rust makes a clean separation between data and behavior. Struct and enum types have data. Trait types have behavior. And never the twain shall meet except in the form of an impl block. Now, layered on top of all of that is the ownership system. TypeScript is, of course, perfectly happy to let you have lots of shared mutable references to the same data. Recursive types are pretty idiomatic there, and cycles between data structures are no big deal. They 
They can cause memory leaks if you're not careful, but they happen. And all of that is perfectly normal for a garbage-collected language, like TypeScript, but also like c or Java or lots of other things. You have to be mindful of memory leaks, but you can do those things. And of course, that's true of non-garbage-collected languages like C or C++ as well. But Rust, well, Rust has is its most basic distinctive, the rule that every piece of data has a single owner. Recursive types are not that idiomatic. You have to explicitly wrap them in some kind of pointer. And shared mutable references to the same data? That's right out. Cyclical data relationships in Rust are a quick way to experience a great deal of pain. You can make them work, sometimes, but it's hard and it is never natural in Rust to have cyclical data relationships. So, if you go to try to translate a TypeScript interface straight into a Rust trait, or a TypeScript class straight into a Rust struct, or enum, things get weird. And this is because of the real differences between the two languages. Real differences that go down to their most fundamental semantics. We could describe it as the deep structure, the most important constraints of these two languages. These aren't things that are apparent from surface syntax because, well, the surface syntax of the two is pretty similar. And the ways that the surface syntax diverges doesn't really show you this with the possible exception of lifetime annotations. Now, I want to take a moment for an aside here. This doesn't mean syntax is irrelevant or doesn't matter. People often take the step from syntax doesn't map perfectly to semantics, which is a true statement, to syntax is irrelevant. But syntax is irrelevant doesn't actually follow from syntax doesn't map perfectly to semantics. Syntax can map more or less cleanly to the underlying semantics, and it can lead or mislead by the way it's shaped. So it's better to say that syntax matters, but it's not the only thing that matters. Now, circling back around, what I've ended up finding as I've worked on this translation project off and on over the last few months is that sometimes an interface in TypeScript translates to a trait in Rust. That would be your naive first pass approach. But sometimes an interface in TypeScript should actually be a struct or an enum. It depends on how it's used, and it depends on what the mechanics in play are. Likewise, things like an abstract base class in TypeScript, which don't have any corresponding notion in Rust exactly, they're kind of like a trait with default methods, but not exactly, you have to dig a bit on what the intent is. Then you have to spend a while thinking about how you might express that intent in Rust. What's more, sometimes it's not possible to express exactly the same thing in Rust in any idiomatic way, or sometimes even at all. For example, as I noted a moment ago, TypeScript happily supports cyclical types. It's just modeling the way JavaScript behaves at runtime. And JavaScript types can and do have cycles, quite regularly, in fact. If you want an object with a reference to its parent, which in turn references that same object as its own child, well, you can do that, but Rust doesn't have a fun time in store for you if you're doing bidirectionally linked tree structures. You can make it work with a combination of RC or ARC and weak, but if you then need to turn around and handle, say, partial equality with the partial EQ trait, then you're going to need to define local new types to avoid the orphan rule. Things get complicated and messy very quickly that you just don't have to think about in TypeScript. The semantics don't map over, sometimes not idiomatically, sometimes not at all. The net of all of this is just the interesting, to me at least, observation that 
different languages lead us to solve even the same problems in sometimes very different ways. Things that make perfectly good sense in TypeScript are so difficult or unidiomatic in Rust that you would just never start by implementing it that way. You would only even think about trying to do it the same way if you were translating. And the inverse is true as well, of course. There are plenty of things that Rust's type system makes easy that are way harder to do in TypeScript because Rust can and does assume that its types are useful inputs for runtime behavior. TypeScript just has to erase all of its types entirely, and JavaScript's runtime behavior doesn't know anything about TypeScript, so you'd better wish and hope that your type definitions are correct. And all of that is a great reminder of why I think being a polyglot programmer, being a programmer who regularly interacts with different programming languages in different families is a really good idea. Because again, different languages, even the ones which might superficially seem kind of similar, help us learn to think in different ways. I'm sure I'll keep learning as I keep pushing forward on this side project, but I thought it would make for an interesting aside here. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Up next, I will be tackling unsafe, hopefully in the next two or three weeks. I want to say thank you to both everyone who sponsors the show in general, your great encouragement to me, and in particular to those of you who sponsor the show and have sent me emails or those of you who don't sponsor the show but listen and have sent me emails in response to my burnout episode. Many of those have been very, very encouraging, and I really, really appreciate it. This month's $10 or more sponsors included Ben Amesfabot, Ryan Osiol, John Rudnick, James Hagens II, Peter Tillemans, Alexander Payne, Michael McDonnell, Chip, Dan Abrams, Joseph Marhi, Brian Stitt, Rob Chuk, Daniel Mason, Olushe Shonaya, Adam Green, Nathan Scully, Graham Willidall, Scott Moeller, Yoar Wanborg, Nick Stevens, Rafe Levine, Daniel Collin, Chris Palmer, Anthony Deschamps, Nicholas Pochet, Bryce Johnston, Paul Naranja, Ramon Buckland, Matt Rudder, Matt and Hugh Schober, Jonathan Knapp, and Aaron Turan. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can set up ongoing support at patreon.com slash newrustation, or you can send me support just once at a number of other services listed on newrustation.com. The website also has scripts and code samples for most of the teaching episodes, as well as transcripts for a lot of the interviews and full show notes for every episode. Notes for this episode are at neurostation.com slash show underscore notes slash bonus slash translating between languages with underscores between those words. If you're enjoying Neurostation, I do appreciate it when you help other people find it. Telling them about it in person is my favorite. You can also share it on social media, rate and review it in your favorite podcast directory or some other clever way. If you find another clever way to promote it, I'd love to hear about it. The show's on Twitter at NewRustation, and I'm there at Chris Kreitcho. Do tweet at me with news, and I will try to retweet and, when it makes sense, share it in news episodes. You can also respond in the threads on the Rust user forums, Reddit, Hacker News, or Lobsters. Or you can do like so many people have so kindly done, thank you again, and just send me an email at hello at NewRustation.com. Until next time, happy, hopefully polyglot, coding. <laughs>